everybody. So today we're talking with the CEO and co-founder of Real Broker, Tamir Poleg. We were talking about the culture of the company, the technology that we have here, and his vision for the future of Real Broker and the real estate industry. Tamir, how are you? Thanks so much for doing this with me today. Great. Thank you for having me again, Malcolm. It means that I didn't fail the first time, so that's uh, that's good news for me. But uh, excited to be here. And I yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about this. I love picking your brain. Well, let's just jump right into it. So uh, one of the cool things that was announced at the 2022 One Real Conference was this concept of One Real, where Real Broker has bought a mortgage company, they bought a title company, and we obviously have the real estate component to that as well. Can you talk to us about like what is your vision for One Real, and like what are the advantages for the agents and the consumers of having all three of those assets under the, the same company? Sure. Uh, so One Real is a product concept and it's also a cultural concept and let's focus on on both um so on the product side we believe that there's an opportunity to create a seamless end-to-end home buying experience by uh, building a layer of experience over existing building blocks in the real estate space meaning brokered services mortgage services title services and insurance which right now are completely separate and they will continue to be separate in the way they operate, but we believe that there's a, an opportunity to create a layer of experience that will feel as if the experience of looking at homes, uh, getting a mortgage, getting from A to Z, from, from starting to look for homes up to closing in one seamless uh, experience is achievable. And this is what we're, we're building right now. This is why we call it One Real, because we want to own and we actually do own all the building blocks uh, of this puzzle. Um, and what we are working on right now is just building this technology that will enable our agents, clients, a smoother, faster, uh, more enjoyable transaction overall. Okay. And on the, on the, on the culture side, we are now at over 8,000 agents and, you know, sometimes when you're building a company with certain, with a certain model, um, it calls for building silos or building separate groups that do not necessarily collaborate. And we wanted to eliminate that. We wanted to create a collaborate, uh, to create a, a culture where the we is greater than the me and, and people talk to each other and people are excited to share, even with people outside of their networks. We believe that by shopping um, a community into a lot of small pieces, you're, you're missing out on a lot of value. Um, so for us, one real is also a cultural concept where everyone's a part of one big thing instead of a lot of small networks that don't really interact or talk to each other. Yeah, I've heard you talk before about the network effect and how the larger the network is, the more valuable it becomes. Larger Facebook is, more people on, the more valuable becomes. And so I love that you're you're applying that to our community. And that kind of brings me to my next question about co-sponsorship, which is something else that you just recently rolled out. Um, I actually have somebody joining today and I'm co-sponsoring them with somebody. They're kind of a newer agent. So I found another agent in their market center to co-sponsor them with, kind of give them some, some more mentorship, um, some help with that. And what do you think the the impact of co-sponsorship is going to have on the on the company, on the agents, on the agents joining the company? Well, first we have to, uh, to understand why co-sponsorship was even born um, and we are ex extremely excited about it, but you know, as a company, we constantly look for ways to benefit with our agents. Mm -hmm. A, 
B, we also are always mindful of, of culture. Um, so when we looked at the number of agents that are actually engaged in, in agent attraction, we realized that it's just a, a, a too small of a number. And we, we started talking to agents and asked them, why are you, I mean, we know that you're excited about the company. Why are you not having conversations with other agents that you know about coming into real? And, and the theme that we heard was, we want to attract agents. We don't really know how to have those conversations. We are afraid. We don't know how to contact them. We don't know how to pitch. We don't know how to answer questions. Um, so we can educate our agents, but we thought that if we created an alignment of interests between agents that are interested in, in attracting, but don't, do not know how, right. and agents that actually know how to attract, that can team up together and, and, and attract agents this way and just share revenue, share um, as co-sponsors, co that would be a big win, especially for the agents that are not right now attracting others. So that was one thing. And then as we started thinking about it, we said, okay, right now the, the way the company is built is that you know people have their own revenue networks or revenue share networks. Um, and we do see a lot of cross collaboration between the different networks. But all of a sudden, if I'm in one network and you're in, in another network and we can partner up in attracting agent C, um, you create some sort of a, a of a grid, of a mesh, instead of creating a lot of lines. And for us, that was fascinating to try and, and evaluate what the impact is going to be on culture. Uh, so, you know, it, it's never been tried in the industry. We are the first one to, to try it. Uh, and uh, and I hope I hope that we will accomplish those two goals of enhancing collaboration and also giving a, a much better chance to every agent to go and build a revenue share uh, um, stream. Yeah, I'm. I love the idea. Is I feel like you're you're spreading the wealth around. Like more agents are going to receive revenue share because of this. And like absolutely, you're right that we're kind of like intertwining the network. So the agent that I'm co-sponsoring somebody with today. They're down in in Florida, completely different upline or downline than me. Um, you know, I don't have, I'm like, there's no real connection there, but we're just both kind of friends that we're going to kind of co-sponsor somebody in and now we're kind of entangled together. So it's really is going to kind of um, incentivize collaboration and kind of that intertangle that community. Now, I, I hear that's, you. that's amazing. This is exactly what we were aiming for. And hopefully yeah. many, many, many more agents uh We'll, we'll do the same and follow you. Yeah. I think it's especially going to be good for like like newer agents. Um, I'll be honest, like I'll get like a brand new agent reaches out to me and I'll be like, you know what? Let me just connect you with somebody in your area. They can be your sponsor. Um, but now I can kind of co-sponsor them with somebody in their area. And yeah, I think it's a better experience for, for everybody all around. Now, I hear you talk about like culture and community a lot. Like that's obviously like really important to you. And I feel like agents that are outside of real, they kind of undervalue uh, culture and community, right? If they've never had a good community, a good culture, they kind of undervalue it. Um, so like, I just wonder like, how important do you think that culture and community is to a company? And like, how big is that to like the value proposition that real offers to the agents? We are in, in a people's business and I think that culture is probably the most important uh, secret sauce that that we have that we have in the company. Um, I know that a lot of people 
are either they either never felt the right kind of culture or they're discounting culture. I cannot explain how many messages I'm actually receiving from agents reaching out and saying, this is amazing. We feel that that we are where we belong. And just the, the understanding that you're a part of a group of people where you feel as if this is where I belong. I'm, I'm right where I need to be. That gives you an amazing comfort as, as a professional, as a human being. Um, so I think that culture, aside from having an amazing impact on people, on people's lives, it also creates a lot of collaboration and helps people in their businesses. You know, the power of having thousands of, of agents on the network and all of them willing to share, to think together, to brainstorm, to help each other, that that's just a, a huge multiplier in everybody's businesses. So I, I think that just tapping into, you know, real as a network, um, just that by itself gives you a huge opportunity to take your, your business to the next level. Right. Yeah, I love that. And like, so obviously I think like, I think that community uh, that you're creating this 8,000 agent community of mastermind partners and uh, people to train from is like a big part of like of the value of joining real. But I think that technology comes in as like in second place, right? We got excellent technology. I love the agent app. I love Chime and Workplace and everything that we have. And at the One Real Conference, you guys talked a lot about the tech that you're rolling out with soon in 2023. Can you give us a little insight on like what what new technology are you going to be rolling out with in, in 2023? What can we expect to see? Yeah, so uh, just recently we replaced Skyslope with our own transaction management system, and we will continue to enhance and and uh, and grow that system. We are planning to launch our own uh, e-signature product as well. Uh, we're working on a consumer-facing app. As I said, your buyers will be able to apply for a mortgage, search listings, communicate with you. They will have a pizza tracker of the transaction. Uh, they will be able to to choose a title company with a, a click of a box. Um, so it'll just make their lives easier. They will be able to choose the, the closing day. They will be able to to have a guaranteed closing instead of just waiting for a clear to close. And, you know, who knows whether this will arrive or not. They will have 100% certainty that what we told them that we are going to uh, to offer them in terms of a mortgage. This is exactly what we can deliver on. There will be no surprises. Uh, so just delivering a lot of certainty, um, speed and convenience to consumers through technology. Uh, we're also, we have some crazy ideas when it comes to uh, fintech related products for agents. So things that truly can change your lives um, and things that have never, you said have never been tried before. Fintech, what is that? So financial technologies related wow. products. Uh, so think about the fact that real processes tens of thousands of transactions and, and hundreds of millions of dollars in, in revenue. And we, as we think about agents as, you know, small businesses and even as, as individuals and families, we think that there are a lot of ways to benefit with, with our agents as small businesses and as, and as families ways that are outside of the box, ways that nobody else tried before. Uh, and we are now in, in conversations with our legal staff and, and our technology team just to, uh, to try and create those, uh, those products. But uh, there are a lot of exciting uh, things coming up. 
I love how much Real is constantly pushing the envelope and constantly trying to innovate. Um, you know, like a lot of people, I've heard a lot of smear stuff about Real. It's like, oh, we're just copying this company, copying this company. And I'm like, no, like we're buying a title company and a mortgage company. We're constantly innovating and really pushing the boundaries. I love that you're you're constantly trying to innovate and create something very unique here. And you know, in in many ways, it's great that people are trying to uh, to compare us to other companies and saying that you know we're trying to copy this company or the other because I think that they truly do not get what what's being built here. Right. And it's great for us because once people realize what we are building, we'll probably be years ahead of anyone else, and it'll be very difficult to catch up with us. So I think that in two to three years, nobody will compare us to this company or the other. Uh, people will understand exactly what value are we bringing and what we're building, um, but it'll be too late for many, many other competitors. I love it. I love it. Uh, so that's a good segue um, into what I want to talk about next. And that's, a, you know, Reels growing very quickly. We're getting great, great, great reviews from the agents. And there are other real estate agents with other companies that I think are a little threatened by that. And there are people putting out information that I don't think is accurate about Reel. So I want to kind of ask you point blank some of these uh, claims about Real, kind of get your take on them. And so one of them is that Real is massively in debt. I've heard people claim that we're $20 million in debt. I've heard one guy claim that we're $250 million in debt. Um, can you touch on that? And I know that Real publishes their financial reports every quarter, but you touch on that, like is Real financially like massively in debt like some people are claiming? Sure. Well, first of all, all of the disinformation out there that's being, you know, spread by by people who have maybe different interests than than ours is it's sad more than anything else. Um, and I've heard everything. I've heard about the debt. I've I've seen some messaging sheets that some CEO uh, is is sending to their agents. Uh, to me, it just shows that you know, if you're not confident in the value that you're building you need to talk about what others are are doing or what others are missing. I think that as a company, we will never say anything negative about anybody else because I'm pretty confident or I'm very confident about the, the value that we're bringing uh, to the industry, to our agents. Um, in terms of, of, uh, of debt, we're publicly traded. It's very easy to take our balance sheet um, and, and read through the lines and you can see that we have exactly zero debt. Zero. There's... Um, there's a line on balance sheet called payables and payables for brokerages is the amount of money that um, the brokerage owes their agents for transactions that have closed on the date that the balance sheet was was edited, but have not yet paid because maybe we didn't receive that money or any other reason. So I think that uh, what some people are trying to do is confuse the payables with being in debt, which, you know, is not true. Okay, that's great to hear. Because um, yeah, I hear that from a couple of uh, pretty influential people, which is super frustrating. Another thing that I often hear is about regards to the ownership of the company. You know, some people claim that you know, uh, not CEO doesn't own enough, the agents don't own enough. There's too many by this person, too many of this person. Can you touch on like who on the ownership of the company and how much is owned by the agents versus you versus investors, that sort of stuff? Sure. sure. Um, I think that, first of all, it's important to, to understand that when companies go public, typically the founder owns any, any, anything between, I don't know, 3% to 10%, 11%, 12%. I mean, if you look at 
Elon Musk, at, at um, Twitter, Google, uh, Microsoft, all of those companies, Apple went IPO where the founders held 15% or less of the company. So it's extremely unusual for publicly traded companies to have one shareholder who owns 40, 50% of, of the shares. This is actually extremely not healthy because I like to compare it to being a, in a democracy versus being in a dictatorship. When you have one person controlling the company, that's a dictatorship. And I don't think that you want to be in one or I want to be in one or live in right. one. Um, having multiple shareholders owning pieces of the company, that's a healthy way to build a company because there's there are a lot of opinions, there's a lot of collaboration, uh, a lot of smart people that can actually weigh in and, and express their, uh, their opinions. Uh, this is what's happening at Real. So management founders own about 25% of the company accumulatively. Uh, I personally own about 11% of the company, for, including uh, my options. Our biggest shareholder is uh, a VC slash private equity fund called Inside Partners that owns about 19% of the company. So we have a very healthy mix where there are a lot of people who believe in the company, believe in each other and want to cooperate and together they own a meaningful share of the company um, versus being in a situation where one individual owns 40, 50% of the shares and they can do whatever they want. Uh, now, agents, it's very difficult to track agent ownership because agents buy and sell in the open market. Um, but um, I can tell you that every year there's a lot, an allocation of about 3%, uh, give or take, of the company's uh, ownership that's being um, acquired slash um, granted to, to the agent. So at this point, it's difficult to to um, to say how many shares or percentages of the company the, the agents own, but I would say it's probably between 6 to 10%. Um, there's a good chance that it's more than 10%, and that ownership interest will only... Um, increase over time just because of our very generous equity program. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, another question is that I know Real was founded in 2014, and it seems like I think 2020 is really where you kind of changed this business model and really started like expanding and growing like nationwide. Uh, is is Real profitable at this point? So it seems like you've had this model for two years. Um, and I know you're reinvesting a lot into acquisitions and technology, but are we profitable or, or is that is there a projection of when we will be profitable as a company? Yeah, well, as as a management team, as a board of directors, um, we have to, to take the right decisions as to do we want to grow fast? Do we want to focus on profitability? I think that we have an amazing opportunity to capture a significant market share, especially in those market conditions. So we knowingly decided that we want to sacrifice profitability and grow very rapidly. So we have grown very rapidly since 2020. Um, in 2023, we will continue to grow rapidly, but we are getting to um, um, the scale that's needed in order to turn profitable. So our our internal plans are to become adjusted to be that profitable in the second half of the year, uh, as well as continuing to grow. So I think that um, even right now, even in 2022, uh, it was not that we were 
very unprofitable. So just to give you an example, in the third quarter of 2022, which was the last quarter that we released, we burned through $700,000. Uh, so kind of a, a relatively low amount if, if you compare it to you know maybe other players in, in the industry. But uh, having said that, in the second half of 2023, we will become adjusted a bit of, uh, positive. So yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good. I know companies that can take you know five, six years before they're actually profitable. Um, and I know Real is definitely investing a lot into the technology, investing a lot into um, Lemon Brew Lending, the title company, and everything. So I get where you're saying that you're you're focused on growth, not necessarily you know profitability at the moment. Yeah, it's it's growth. It's uh, it's investment in the product itself. So you know a lot of engineers building amazing products. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are seeing the economies of scale um, working in our favor. So, as I said, we are marching towards profitability. Okay, great. Um, so, one of the cool things you guys just rolled out with as well is, or there, you're going to be rolling out with very soon, is willable revenue share. And I think this is huge for a lot of people. It's definitely huge for me. I've got a son, very severe intellectual disabilities and autism. He's not going to be able to support himself when he's an adult. So me being able to know that I'm going to leave him some sort of passive income when I die, like that's huge, relieves a lot of anxiety. And so my question is, you know, why did Real think that this was important to roll out willable revenue share? Like, obviously, you probably could save millions of dollars in the long run by not doing that. But why, why did you choose to to roll this out, uh, the willable revenue share? Uh, good question. I think that as a brokerage, as a company, as a community, if you truly care about the people who help build the company, about, you know, if you truly look at or see people as partners and treat your agents as partners, then revenue share is an asset that they build for themselves, for their families. And I cannot imagine a situation where an agent or a family is dependent on an agent for, for their livelihood and all of a sudden something happens to that agent and they're left with nothing. Right. They're left with, you know, go figure it out. So we wanted to take this asset that agents build for themselves. And that asset also helps the company grow and give it to their families in, in you know, in challenging times or um, if something horrible happens to the agent. This is, this is only fair. And, uh, and again... You know, you mentioned your son, and these are ex these are exactly the types of, of situations that could be heartbreaking because you know your son. You know, hopefully, in many, 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 many years from now, uh, he he will be left in this world, and somebody will have to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And we want to give him the gift that his dad built for him throughout many years of of career. And for him to continue and, and benefit from that, so uh, this is exactly why we did it, um, and this is rolling out in you know a few days to two weeks. But uh, good, yeah, it's it's a lot in our systems. It's alive. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm definitely it definitely it definitely motivates me. Right, essentially, if I help this company grow, you'll take care of my son when I pass away. You know, hopefully, fifty years from now, like that definitely is very motivating. And kind of uh, in the same like tone of that is a lot of agents talk about, you know, how the model is currently set up is that if we have revenue share, we have to be producing agents in order to receive them. And I've heard rumors that Real is going to be rolling out eventually some sort of like retirement plan or vesting plan where if you 
you know, you're an agent for so long, you eventually can stop being a producing agent and still receive revenue share. Is there is there truth to that rumor? Is that kind of on the agenda somewhere down the road to have some sort of program like that? I think that it's uh, kind of uh, in the same realm as as willable rev share. At the end of the day, if you're an agent and you help the company um, build to where it is right now and you invested many years of, of your lives of, and of your career in, in helping the company grow, uh, we believe that, you know, this asset that you help build should help you um, when when you retire or when you can no longer sell real estate for various reasons. Um, so there are, there are a lot of, you know, discussions right now within the company. How do we build something like this uh, to continue and take care of our agents even when they're no longer able to sell real estate or choose not to sell real estate anymore? Um, and I, I believe that we will do something about it and we will launch, you know, a program that will answer to that uh, at some point in 2023. Okay, great, man. It sounds like a lot of cool things are coming in 2023 to real. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have an amazing team that's working extremely, extremely hard. And there are a lot of great ideas. There are a lot of great ideas that are coming from our agents. And we're trying our best to uh, to make them happen. Yeah. Well, Tamir, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, maybe we'll have to do this again in another six months or so and kind of talk about some of these other things that are rolling out uh, in 2023. Sure, I would love that. Thank you, Malcolm. All right, thanks so much. Goodbye.